1: Hey, Wine School Dropout. We're off this week, but we wanted to share another great show with you. If you love Wine School Dropout, you're going to love another Studio Ocinta original, Caper. Caper is the first immersive true crime series from Studio Ocinta, and it shares the stories of the ordinary people that carried out the most extraordinary heists around the world. If you talk to me for longer than five minutes in your life, you know I love true crime. I love true crime. I know a lot of you love it too. So you'll love hearing about these crazy high stories. Like how Edvard Munch's masterpiece was stolen by an athlete with a passion for art. Or how two college dropouts stole 140 artifacts from the National Museum of Anthropology in Mexico. Or how in China, two vault managers took a loan from the bank they worked at to win the lottery. In this episode, in particular, you'll hear the story of Vincenzo Perugia, a maintenance worker at the Louvre who stole the Mona Lisa and escaped by taking the metro. I love how patriotism drove him in this heist, but I won't spoil it for you. Just listen and enjoy.
0: Welcome to Caper, a guide to the greatest heists around the world. Each week, our guide takes you into one of the most famous heists in history. This one takes place between France and Italy in 1911. But let's fast forward more than 100 years... If you were to visit the Louvre today, what would be the first thing you'd head to see? Most likely the most famous painting in the world, the Mona Lisa. And you wouldn't be alone. Entering the Denon wing of the museum, your excitement would be halted in its tracks. You'd find yourself amongst 300 other people packed like sardines, waving their selfie sticks and struggling to move towards a tiny black square hung in a frame behind two-inch-thick glass on the other side of the room. And before you can realise it, disappointment strikes. Each one of those visitors will see that up close the Mona Lisa is actually smaller than most paintings. It isn't massive or striking or undeniably moving in the way that many of the other Renaissance works are. In fact, when the Mona Lisa was first placed in the Louvre in 1797, it was on a wall with a number of other paintings, not standing alone in the spotlight as it is now. The Mona Lisa is, of course, a great work of art by a revered artist, Leonardo da Vinci. But his skills are not actually what made the painting famous nor the only reason the museum security guards only let you get so close. Mona Lisa's true fame came from its theft. This is the story of how the Mona Lisa was stolen. It's just after dawn on Monday, the 21st of August, 1911. The city is still asleep. After all, Sunday nights are big social nights in Paris. Parisians are used to getting lost in the splendour of one of those nights out typical of the Belle Epoque. Those who can afford it enjoy a lobster thermidor at famous Bistro Maxims, surrounded by Art Deco interiors. Some attend Stravinsky's newly debuted Petrushka, performed by the Ballet Russe. Some dance to the newly popularized genre, tango, at cabarets in Montmartre. A not-so-well-known Picasso might have enjoyed a night out with his distinguished coterie of friends, André Breton, Guillaume Apollinaire, and Gertrude Stein. If they'd only known, it just takes a theft to make your paintings priceless and world-famous. Just like all Mondays, that day the Louvre is closed to the public. All doors are shut. The Louvre is impenetrable. Some of the most precious paintings in the world are sleeping within its robust walls. Meanwhile, three Italian maintenance workers are hiding within the museum. One of them is in charge of making protective glass cases for some of the museum's most famous works. His name is Vincenzo Perugia and he is fed up with the mocking attitude of the French. They call the Italians macaroni eaters and mock the mandolin he loves to play. He decides to avenge his people by taking back something that he thinks does not belong to the French. On a pamphlet at the Louvre, Perugia learns that the Mona Lisa is amongst the paintings taken away from Italy by Napoleon Bonaparte. Vincenzo could not have known that the Mona Lisa had actually been brought to France by Leonardo himself, who was a protégé of King Francis I of France. Leonardo was a painter in his court during the 16th century, 250 years before Napoleon's birth. In fact, Leonardo and the king were on such good terms that the painter is buried in the French king's chateau. But even after Leonardo died, nobody at the time knew of the painting. Nobody thought about Mona Lisa's mysterious smile or her gaze which is alleged to follow you everywhere you go. So Vincenzo Perugia doesn't choose it for its artistic value, but because it's small and easy to transport. A patriotic thought strikes him. He decides he'll steal the Mona Lisa to avenge his patria, his mother country. As a real Italian patriot, he'll bring the picture to Italy, where in his mind it belongs. He doesn't know how yet, but he will find a way to return the painting to its country of origin. But how is he going to pull it off in the first place? Vincenzo Perugia and his two friends have a plan and it involves their unassuming appearance as maintenance workers at the Louvre. After working all day Sunday in the museum, they spend the night in an art supply cupboard. And the morning after, with the Louvre still closed and the Parisians still asleep, they will sneak out. Their steps resonate within the walls of the empty museum galleries. The echo follows them down the stairs. Portraits of gentlemen, noble women, and mythological figures seem to stare at them. Their glances follow the robbers to the Salon Le Carré, where the Mona Lisa is on display. The painting, frame, case and protective glass all together weigh as much as a washing machine. They lift it and take it off the wall. Now, the question is, how do you carry a painting that weighs as much as a washing machine outside a museum without being noticed? The three handymen strip the painting of its frame and case. They cover the wooden canvas with a smock. Then they hustle off to the Quai station. The trio boards a 7.47 AM express train out of the city. Can you imagine someone sitting next to you on public transport and hiding the Mona Lisa under his coat? Unbelievably, the thieves make a clean getaway on the metro. The next day, a pushy still-life artist by the name of Louis Berreau sets up his easel to paint that gallery in the Louvre. He feels like he can't work as long as the Mona Lisa isn't there. But the artist isn't alarmed. It's common for paintings to be taken on the roof to be photographed for better lighting. After all, cameras don't have flashes yet. The painter persuades a guard to go see how long the photographers will have the painting. When the guard comes back, he says candidly, You know what? The photographers say they don't have it! More than 60 police inspectors rush to the scene. They quickly notice a fingerprint on the painting's protective glass and compare it to those of all 257 employees of the Louvre. Even though Vincenzo Perugia works there, police cannot identify the thief. The police also accept his alibi that he'd been working at a different location. And, as the culprit isn't found, the Louvre's director has no choice but to resign. The heist has received so much attention that the Mona Lisa is now too hot to sell. Perugia and his two friends are lying low. The painting is safe in the thief's bedroom in Paris. He stashes it in the double bottom of a white wooden suitcase under his bed. But there's no point in plotting revenge for your country if the painting doesn't make it back there. So how can you return a painting to its homeland when all eyes are on you? Well, you find an art dealer and try to give it back. And so, 28 months after the heist, Perugia finally makes a pass at offering the Mona Lisa to an art dealer in Florence, Alfredo Geri. He wants the dealer to give it to the Uffizi, Florence's most famous art gallery. But the dealer is suspicious. He has the head of the art gallery come and take a look at the painting. Perugia doesn't recognize him. He takes the painting out of his bag. A stamp on the back confirms its authenticity. The two say, okay, leave it with us, and we'll see that you get a reward. Perugia believes he has done well, and he expects something in return. Money, a pension, or a job in an Italian museum as a plasterer or decorator. He goes back to his hotel room. But half an hour later, to his surprise, the police are at his door. And so with much fanfare, the painting is returned to the Louvre over two years after it was stolen. Perugia's trial takes place in Florence in June 1914. Many Italians are on his side and clamoring for the idealist thief to be released. Perugia pleads guilty to stealing the painting and is sentenced to just 8 months in prison. He lives in Italy for a few years, where he gives away postcards of the Mona Lisa signed by him. This ordinary maintenance worker did something that had never been done before. He turned a random painting into the most recognisable painting on the planet. After the heist, the Mona Lisa became this incredibly famous painting, literally overnight. Intrigue and scandal erupt around the heist. The New York Times publishes an article titled 60 Detectives Seek Stolen Mona Lisa, sparking international efforts to locate the painting. Accusations abound. American art curator and millionaire banker J.P. Morgan is even considered a suspect, allegedly for commissioning the theft himself. Police question Apollinaire and Pablo Picasso about the crime. Both Apollinaire and Picasso cry under interrogation. And the police ultimately realise that neither is the man they're looking for. Before the painting is even recovered, people line up to see the empty frame on the walls. And when the Mona Lisa is finally returned, its popularity only continues to grow. It goes from being a work of art that has just a small rectangle on a wall filled with paintings to a painting at the center of a global scandal. Today, over 10 million people visit the Louvre Museum in Paris each year. 8 million of them come specifically to see Leonardo da Vinci's once missing masterpiece. Had Vincenzo Perugia stolen any other painting, that stolen work of art could perhaps have just as easily become the most famous painting in the world. Maybe the Mona Lisa would not be the household name that it is today. But because of the theft, The Mona Lisa became the first work of art to be seen and shared globally in a time when mass communication was just in its infancy. Since then, there have been a few incidents of people trying to damage the Mona Lisa, but no more thefts. It's unlikely the Mona Lisa will be stolen a second time. Security at the Louvre has increased quite a bit in the last hundred years. Today the painting has its own wall at the Louvre, protected by climate-controlled, bulletproof glass. One thing hasn't changed, though. The next time you visit Paris to see the Mona Lisa, be prepared to wait in line. Thank you for listening to Caper. If you're new to the series, catch up with our previous episodes. This episode was produced by Studio Ocenta. Voice by Michelle Kelly. Sound design by Chiara Santella and Luis Lopez. Senior producer, Clizia Sala. Assistant producers, Clark Marchesi and Zina Abu makaram For more information on CAPER, a Studio Ocenta original series, go to ochenta.studio.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also listen to this podcast in Spanish, "Capa El Arte del Robo," in German, "Capa Die Kunst der Diebe," and Italian, "Capa L'arte del Furto." Follow along with transcripts in every language on ochentaestudio.com. Our podcast is available on Castbox, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Thank you for listening to this Wine School Dropout takeover of episode three of Caper, produced by the same people who bring you Wine School Dropout every week over here at Studio Ocenta. Caper is an international series just like Wine School Dropout and is available in four different languages, English, Spanish, German, and Italian. If you like the show, Go ahead and listen to the 10 episodes of the first series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week for the last episode of this special Tanisha in Paris Season